This is Learned It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Hello and welcome to Learned It From An 80s Song. Today we have the privilege of introducing you to Annette Gray. Annette is a global leadership coach, facilitator, and speaker. She's a beacon of inspiration dedicated to fostering a more respectful, inclusive, and sustainable world. With a background spanning teaching, human resources, consulting, and coaching across diverse sectors, Annette's mission is clear, to empower leaders, particularly women, to thrive and drive change. With a fervent belief in developing leaders to be more coach-like in their approach, Annette's journey is one of profound impact and purpose. Having trained over 8,000 individuals in coaching and in mentoring, her influence extends far beyond the boardroom. But Annette's story doesn't stop there. Outside of her professional endeavors, she is an avid ocean swimmer and is a dedicated mentor, sharing her passion for the seas through her volunteer work with the Cantu Foundation. Her commitment to environmental causes led her to Antarctica in November of 2023, where she participated in the Homeward Bound Project, a transformative experience that ignited her advocacy for climate change and women's leadership in STEM fields. Good morning and good evening, Annette. It is so great to have you here from the land down under. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Patricia, for this opportunity. I I really look forward to the conversation. Yes. So it has been winter here in Switzerland and in Australia, it is summer. How has your summer been? Well, it's been not as good as it normally is because I injured my thumb and had to be out of the water half of it. So only four weeks ago did I get back into my happy place, the ocean. So I'm cramming now. I'm getting a lot of ocean swims in before the summer finishes. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that you're on the mend. And I know that ocean swims is very much part of your life. And I want to hear a little bit more about that as the show goes on, because that's I can only imagine what that's like in Australia. I've never been to Australia. That's on my bucket list. But you're in Queensland, correct? No, no, no. I'm in New South Wales. So um, in Sydney. In In Sydney. Sydney. In Sydney. Okay, very good. Wow. Okay, super. Well, this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what song we're going to be talking about today on the show. So without further ado, Annette. What is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to share with us today? Can I get a drum roll, please? Annette, what is your song? 
It is We Are the Champions by Queen and Freddie Mercury. And yeah, it so resonates. And actually, I realized there was a connection when I was 14 as well. So it brought back memories for that as well. Oh, really? Oh, that's so fascinating. Well, you picked such an amazing song. And what was it about when you were 14 that it resonated with you? Well, we were playing softball and our team won the grand final. And we, I remember singing that song shoulder to shoulder, walking back to the train station. And we, we thought we were the champions of the world. And I only remembered that after we'd had a conversation a few weeks ago. I went, that's why I love that song so much. But it relates to a current story. Yes. Yes. Well, it's so interesting that you said that shoulder to shoulder, because I just was in in Austria skiing and we on the last night, we went to a a, a fantastic apres ski and We Are the Champions came on. And then, of course, everybody's got their arms around each other singing in all different languages. So we've got, we had Italian, French, German, English speakers, every language you can, you can imagine in this place in Austria and to hear everybody together unified and singing. And what's so interesting is that is exactly what Freddie Mercury wanted of the song. When he created the song, he wanted to create a unifying song that he could play at concerts. And this song was released in 1977. And while it was released then, it was in, incredibly important in the 1980s because of that of Live Aid. And Live Aid was there. They made a concert to benefit the famine in Ethiopia. And this was occurring between 83 and 85. And this concert was to benefit to help feed the hungry. And it's just so fascinating that this, this song over the years has been so important to unification. And, and that was exactly what Freddie's intention was. And it still is today. You hear the song everywhere you go in these, it was a chart topper. So it was number two in the UK. And then it hit on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States. It hit number four. So this song was very much a huge chart topper in its time and continues to be. And it was from the album News of the World. And it was written by Freddie Mercury. Great song. Yeah. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a a little bit about your story. Sure. So why this resonates so much for me is recently I went to Antarctica with a group of 88 women and women in STEM. And it was the last part of a leadership initiative that was developed by Homeward Bound a not-for-profit organization that's working, has been doing this work for the last eight years. And I have been a leadership coach on the program for the last seven years. And as it turned out last year, because they were doing catch-up voyages to Antarctica, that they had some spare places on the ship. So they put it out to other people and particularly the coaches to say who would like to go. And it's been on my bucket list for a long time to go to Antarctica and then to do it in this way with 88 of these incredible women around the world. It just just added a whole other dimension to it. And so that's why I chose this song, because having seen Antarctica and how pristine and beautiful it is, 
it just hit me deeply around, we've got to take care of this world. If we don't take care of Antarctica, that's where all the weather patterns start from. And if it melts any further than it has, and there was a lot less sea ice apparently this year than there has been, if it keeps melting, that means a lot of countries will be underwater because the sea levels could raise by 60 metres if Antarctica melts. So that's why this song really got me in the heart around everyone needs to take care of the world and particularly around climate action and all doing our bit to to help with this crisis. Yes. Wow. First, I have so many follow-up questions in my head right now because it's so fascinating. I'd love to hear as we're stepping into this, what is Homeward Bound and how did you get involved? Like what was the, was it sustainability that drove you to want to get involved? Because you've had such a robust career as a a solution-focused and leadership coach. What was it that wanted led you to volunteering for Homeward Bound? Sure. Well, I'll start with the home, what is Homeward mm-hmm. Bound. Yes. It's a, a women in STEM leadership initiative. And so the founder, who was Australian, founded it nine, nine years ago, eight or nine. We're coming up to the ninth cohort. So yes, nearly nine years ago. She had a dream about taking women to Antarctica because that's the place that's most being impacted by climate change and to see it firsthand, but also around women in STEM don't get access to leadership development. And so this was her way of particularly focused on women in science to start with, of helping these women have more of a voice around climate change around the world and to build their confidence in leadership invisibility, in well-being, and climate action. So this was her project that she started. And now the goal is by uh, 2030 that 10,000 women have been through the program. And so up till now, it's been 100 women each year. And I've been a leadership coach on it because they actually put it out in the early days to coaches that are familiar with this feedback tool called the Lifestyles Inventory, which is a leadership profile link tool that gets, it's a 360 degree tool, which gets people to respond on on the person as well as they do a self-assessment. And they put it out to coaches who are considered lifetimers of using this tool. And I've used this tool for 22 years now. And so they're getting the coaches that know the tool very well to be the leadership coach for the women for a number of sessions to work on their leadership and understand their leadership and how they can be more constructive and collaborative in their leadership. And that's what we need today, that leadership is shifting for us to to solve some of the complex challenges that we have, particularly around sustainability and and climate change, we need a different form of leadership. And this is where this tool comes in. And this is where these women are learning about themselves and how they can have more of a voice and have more confidence to speak up and actually influence things in all different areas of STEM. Yes, that's so fascinating that you say that because Correct me if I'm wrong, but STEM 
historically has been mostly a male-dominated field, as I understand it. Yes. And yes. And then therefore it must must be hard for these women who are pioneering in their fields and coming in. So what an incredible program that you guys have put together and and what an amazing thing that you got to go and that there were extra spots for you. It was meant to be. (laughs) I I think so, because doing it in this way added so much to the richness of the experience because I was able to have amazing conversations at breakfast, lunch, and dinner that were with these incredible women who half of them have PhDs, yet they're not being heard because they're of minority. And I'm thinking of some of the sectors that I do work in, which is construction and infrastructure, 12% of women make up the sector. So it's hard to have a voice when you're a lone voice. And so what the outcome of the going to Antarctica that I've been really surprised about of how powerful it is, is that we're all all on a WhatsApp group together. There's 88 of us. So you've got a brains trust. You've got your cheerleaders that are helping you out when you are on, on your own. You're the lone voice. Then you can have this instant network that can be your cheerleaders to pick you up and help help you with at different points. I was not anticipating that. Yes. Wow. What an amazing experience. And the lens in which you saw all of these women who, you know, have advanced degrees and in the area of the sciences and medicine, as I understand it, because it's STEM with the double M, right? Yeah. Yeah. Science, technology, engineering, maths, and medicine. And medicine. Wow. I mean, how incredible. And then to see Antarctica through their lens. I mean, for them, it may have been their first time going as well to Antarctica. Oh, yes. Nearly all 88 would have been first time. There were some scientists who do work down there that came with us who were part of the faculty who ran the program. And so that was really insightful, getting their input and their their experience of changes that they've seen. So you heard firsthand accounts and that's why it just, it hit me so deeply. It was like, I need to do something here. And how can I influence in the work I'm doing with the leaders I'm working with to open their eyes up to, we all need to take responsibility here. Yes. And what better way of doing that is to getting women involved. And I mean, here we are, getting ready for March, International Women's Month. And next behind Mother Nature is a bunch of mothers who want to take care of women who want to take care of the earth. I had found you on on LinkedIn because I was so curious about what you were doing and I was going to Antarctica. So that's when I had reached out to you. And I I went with with the family as expedition and it was a bucket list uh, for my husband to go. And this is my last year with my son before he goes to college. So it was definitely an experience. And I was also struck by the nature and how much we need to take care of it and how little, what my biggest takeaway as a positive psychologist, (laughs) and you'll laugh when I say this, was that like, okay, what's working well and what can we do more to help? And, And it was amazing to me how small changes can make a significant 
a significant change to, to our sustainability, to climate change. And, and that was really fascinating. Like even they were, they were explaining to us, the, the scientists, about how just small changes, if we all do these small changes, we can reverse it. We know if we keep going on this track, it's, it's going to be bad, but we know what to do to help yeah. prevent it. We just have to do it. Exactly, exactly. And that, that's what was sparked in me of what can I do at an individual level and influence my family around what we can do. And that's what I learned down there as well, this concept of one help. And to help the environment, we need to eat differently, even if we just cut down our meat intake to every second day. That can make a huge impact to our land, to the animals. Like It's, yeah, huge impact just by doing that one thing and just yes. reducing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And food wasting. I was struck by how much emissions are let out by food waste and that, like, let's take less of a serving. I certainly could benefit from that. And let's use everything in a refrigerator. I know it's hard. Sometimes things go bad, <laughs> but I have to get a little bit more proactive about not throwing things away and using them in the time. That way I'm not contributing to this problem of the emissions coming from wasted food. I think you're right. And it's raising the consciousness of us all in what are those little things you can do. Like now I'm very hesitant to buy new clothes because I don't need them. And I actually run a clothing sale that's a recycled clothing sale for the local community as part of I, one of my other roles I have outside of work is I mentor ocean swimmers. And so the fundraising we do for cancer research, we started four years ago running this clothing sale. And now the com whole communities behind it, they want to donate their clothes so that we can sell them cheaply for mm -hmm. cancer research. And so that has sparked in me, like you still get joy out of getting secondhand clothes. It's still the buzz you get from getting something new, but yes. else's piece of clothing that doesn't bring them joy anymore. So yes. Yes, I, I was going to actually go there, but yeah, I think it's an important point. There's these little things that we can do that we can help be the champions of our world. Wow. That is amazing. What, what a great thing that you were doing and what a great idea. That's fascinating. You know, I noticed it here even in Switzerland, they have a program where, you know, the big warehouses where you can buy clothes by the kilogram. Because like you had said, we I get joy from if I find a find something that I really like that belonged to somebody else or what have you or someone gives me a, something that they're not wearing anymore, I get joy from that as much as if I had bought something truly. So, yeah. I, that's such a great point that you bring up. Really amazing. Yeah. Yes. And that hedonic treadmill, as we know, is very short. It has a very short life with when you buy something, it's what goes. Whereas experiences and studies show that things like that have more of a long lasting or things where you're social together have a much more long lasting for positive emotions rather than the retail therapy, as they say, has a very short life of positive exactly. emotions. Yeah. I love this conversation. And, and it's funny that like what, what you think a conversation, I, that's what I love about this podcast actually is 
what we think we're going to talk about. We do talk about, we get to all the points, but then we get so many other amazing nuggets. So, and I think that's, you bring up such a great point, just what little things can we do to make a change and, and raising that consciousness and what better way to do it with, than with women, women will get the job done. We always do. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So with that, I, I'd love to talk about your strengths, your VIA strengths. That's what we talk about on this uh, show. And you have such an amazing package of strengths that I've noticed here. And if you don't mind, I could, could I re- read out your, maybe your top 10 here? Sure. Yes. Sure. So number one, and you can hear it and I can already hear it. And <laughs> what Annette has been saying here, appreciation of beauty and excellence. So I can hear as she's talking about nature and talking about Antarctica, how much of that is already coming through. Creativity is at number two and love of learning. Number three, honesty coming in at four. Five is fairness. Six, perspective. Seven, curiosity, hope, self-regulation, which is very rare to actually have up top, by the way. And number 10 is social intelligence. So. With that, I was noticing on your LinkedIn that you had the most photo and clearly you were appreciating beauty and excellence because, well, there were two that you had on LinkedIn. You had the first one, which, or the first one, which was you were at the, at the right time in the right place to watch an iceberg flip over. Yes. Can you and, believe it? We're in the zone. No, tell me about it. Tell us about it. And then I'll tell you the second one. Go ahead. Sure. So we were just cruising around on the Zodiacs and it was just incredible inlet that we were in. And it was so beautiful because it was right as the sun was going down. So the beautiful colors and everything. And we went around this iceberg and then suddenly our tour guide who we had in our Zodiac, she was steering it. She said, just watch that iceberg. I think it's going to flip. And then she said, I'm just going to pull away from it a bit. Just (laughs) watch. Yeah, because we were very close to it. And it did, it turned. And if you listen to the audio of me filming, all you hear hear me say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it was incredible to be right there at that time when it happened. And Unfortunately, only half the ship got to see it because often we would go out on the Zodiacs, only half would go at a time. And we were so pleased with ourselves, that, that our group that went, but we missed out on seeing a whale go under one of the Zodiacs. So it sort of evened itself out, but this was incredible. And then to see what was underneath. And as you were talking before the show about the different colors of the ice, and this was clear and black and and they were describing to us that's really really old ice when it looks black like that because it's been they said thousands of years it's been around but to see that flip it was still in my memory and I keep watching the video a lot because it just brings back so much joy to see that yes yes and and just marveling at at nature and how incredible wow I um, but I can see in that when you were telling the story, your appreciating of of nature, of the earth. When that's the interesting thing with appreciation of beauty and excellence, it's you see the work behind things. You see not just you don't take things for face value. You're really going deep into 
thinking about why why this or the curiosity, almost like curiosity behind appreciation of beauty and excellence, which is interesting. And then the second one was, and I was go- scrolling through and you had put up that beautiful picture. And before I even read the the text, I said, oh, that iceberg looks like a cupcake. And then sure enough, you had written about how cool it was, like clouds, right? How we see images in clouds. You can see things in icebergs. Yes. And I think that I hadn't looked back at my their strengths again so recently, but seeing that creativity there combined with the appreciative beauty, I'm doing all my posts by prompted by what I saw in Antarctica and making connections to things I do in my work and helping leaders understand what's important. I'm making those connections just from an image. And I went, oh, that's that's like creativity in play. (laughs) 100%. But you've got to get on her LinkedIn and and see these amazing images. And if we can on YouTube, we'll try and put these up for people to see. Uh, And I saw an iceberg I was sharing uh, with Annette before we started was I had to kind of rub my eyes, actually, because I was like, am I seeing things? Is the rocky waters getting to me? One iceberg didn't look like any of the other icebergs because it was this very deep gray blue. Like it was a deep, deep gray. And I guess I learned later that that's that compression over the years of the ice. And so not as much light can go through. <laughs> My, yeah. I'm going to need a whole new phone because I have so many photos on it from Antarctica yeah. and penguin. Like I, I have so many penguin photos because they yeah. are just the happiest, happiest little creatures. They are. And I found them very tame. They would just get on in doing their work and busy yes. getting rocks and creating their nests. And yeah, they'd go across the path and they weren't concerned about us at all. We, you know, stopped and gave them a, a wide way yes. to go through. But they were incredibly tame. Amazing. Yes. And they had their whole little village, like their whole little system set up with those highways, the penguin highways. I joked that it reminded me of the 405 freeway in California because it was these big highways with penguin just coming up, coming down, coming up, like because they go out and feed, then they go up. And and I also loved watching their relationships. And for instance, you know how I remember observing the chin straps and the chin strap penguin would bow. They do a little bow to their mate, the war potential mate. And then they would they would bring little pebbles and and as an offering, and I thought that that was like an engagement ring. They give a little pebble to show like we're going to build this beautiful nest together, and it was just really fascinating to watch their relationships. And oh, and how the penguin female and male they co-parent. Yes, that was yeah. fascinating. <laughs> Yes. The male penguin will incubate the eggs. In fact, the emperors will will sit with the eggs, I guess, as I understand it, all season long in the winter. And then the females come back and, and just in time for them to hatch and feed them what they found in the water. And it's really just so fascinating how how their systems work. Yes. And and you probably saw some some fights happen between some and then everyone would squawk at them or the other penguins. And yeah, it's just watching, beautiful watching the whole thing. Yes. And then we can't, and speaking of fights, we can't, the fur seals and the elephant seals, they certainly, 
are not lacking. The males aren't lacking testosterone. They're just jousting and who's got the biggest roar and protecting their territory. It reminded me of like lifeguards on the beach, how they each had their own little section. And and the first seals, if if a juvenile or someone came into their or another male came into their section where they would have their lifeguard stand with their harem of women around, then then they would go after them and then clear the area, clear the space. So I was like, wow, this is super fascinating to watch nature. I definitely felt like a guest in that land. Yes. Yes. And that's what is so beautiful about Antarctica. No one owns it. And so what it's one of the few things in the world that it's true collaboration with the world to look after something. And I was fascinated by that. And I, Iato, that's the body that they're part of the Antarctica Treaty who are responsible for tour operators and what yes. they can and can do and influencing them so that Antarctica can be kept for science and peace, which is you can't transfer that kind of thinking to other challenges the world has. So so amazing you brought that up and you really did feel that there you could see from what i understand with the research all these countries working together they have their real their stations there but they're all working together for the common good and the common goal of helping save this seventh continent exactly exactly and wouldn't that be wonderful if that's how climate action could be treated Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're trying to, but we're not. There's still this protective way of what happens in our country. We want to keep doing that, and yeah. But having that agreement, I think, renewables, yeah, yes, yeah, to that, yeah, is so interesting. And I just really feel that there's misinformation out there. Obviously, a lot of it that some people believe that climate change doesn't exist, and I think. It does. And if it takes going to Antarctica to see that for people, do it because it is uh, very much happening. And actually, if like you had mentioned, if we don't take care of it, I know that looking at the United States, Florida would be gone, Louisiana, like they, they showed just how much of the U.S. would be gone from the rising waters and the floods and all of that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of Pacific islands would be gone as well. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's great that we have this homeward bound and how we have so many women in, in STEM really looking at the environment and for a common goal to, to, to change and to develop these leaders that then can help others get on board, so to speak, and, and help make some changes. Thank you for, for sharing that. And we digress because all it takes is icebergs and penguin. So then we also have a uh, love of learning. And obviously you can hear that in, in Annette as she's speaking. And then honesty and fairness and perspective. So I, what I thought I loved about these three was I believe that it really relates to solution-focused coaching. And because I know that is your, your specialty. And I imagine, I, can you talk about how, how these strengths, honesty, fairness, and perspective really work in solution-focused coaching? Sure. So I came across this solution-focused approach to coaching. It actually came from the therapy world. It was solution-focused brief therapy. And in the 90s, 
uh, a fellow by the name of Mark McGurga, who's based in the UK, actually thought that actually can work in organisations. And so it actually has some family resemblance to appreciative inquiry, but much simpler and more accessible for people to apply. So the work I do, I so backtracking when I came across it was 2011 and learned this technique and I just went, wow, this is so powerful. I, I just want to use that as the model of how I coach. And that is the model of what I teach leaders in how to have these solution-focused conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I was so surprised the first solution-focused conference I went to with other practitioners from around the world. Uh, I was I put up my hand to present at that conference of a case study of work I'd, I'd done around changing a culture of a school, and we did that so rapidly just by using solution-focused techniques. They gave me one of the bigger rooms. So there was no pecking order of who's been in, knows more about it than other. I was brand new to the approach, but they gave me one of the bigger rooms to present in because everyone was in breakout rooms. And I thought, wow, I like this community because there's, they're very humble. They have beginner's mind. They look at what you've got, what strengths you, got that they can bring out even more. So it's a very accepting community of practitioners. I went, I want to hang out with these people more because I could learn so much about how do you enter into relationships with organizations or with with leaders I'm working with either one-to-one or or group. They come with so many strengths. And that's why I love the VIA strengths as well, is that People aren't a vessel to be filled up. Learning is about, in, it's an inside-out job. It's not an outside-in job. And that's what this approach takes into account. And so as a, as a leadership coach in how I work with people either individually or train them in this approach, I want to know what they know. And I want to bring out their brilliance Wow. Right, and he, let them hear about what, because so many people, as you probably know, in the work that you do, are not self-aware. And if you help bring out that self-awareness, they go, oh, actually, what I'm doing now is similar to what the similar situation I had before. Well, what did you do then? How were you able to manage yourself through that? What seemed to work? And then they go, ah, oh, that's right, that works. So let's bring it out here. So there's no telling. I'm just helping them discover what's going to work for them in their context. So I do that in training leaders to be more solution-focused and use this wonderful model that a practitioner in Toronto, Canada developed called the Dialogic Orientation Quadrant. And it's just a need for quadrant model. And it helps people with how do you shift from the problem talk and what we call the problem pass, because most people bring a problem or an issue to the conversation. So in a coaching conversation, it's often, I've got this issue, I've got this problem. How do you redirect it to, so what is it you want instead? I don't need to know all the detail around what's Mm -hmm. wrong. 
let me hear a little bit. So we're not problem phobic, but what is it you want instead of that? That doesn't sound like that's going so well. What is it you want instead? And how would you know you have that? And what difference would that make to you? And so we shift them pretty quickly to what is it they want? Then what might that look like in concrete detail? So what is the preferred future you're moving towards? What would others notice in you if you were more collaborative in your leading or whatever the topic might be? And you help them create this picture of what are they aiming for rather than stuck in what they don't want. Yes. And so that's what I help leaders understand. How do you shift the conversation and how do you notice the uniqueness of the individual team member you have because we all have our uniqueness that we don't seem to tap into. Absolutely. Wow, that's such a great description and really amazing work that you're doing. And and it's funny when you said inside out, that's honesty. Inside out is honesty. It's it's not just about people think honesty, you're being honest with others, but no, it's about being honest with yourself also. And it's interesting that that is what drew you really to this work and the people around you, how they have the humility and with that honesty as well. And then perspective. So then you're also bringing in the fact that you're helping people shift perspective and that's in your top strengths as well. And looking at things from a solution, what would it look like if you, you know, so you're already changing that view or helping them shift in their brains that perspective. And then of course, fairness that came through when you were talking about the conference as well, just the way everyone brings these skills and, and this collaborative nature. And with that really brings in just that fairness, everyone together, working together. It's really interesting. And, and that it doesn't, it probably doesn't surprise you why I'm so into gender equality, because that's what's fair. And we need to create this world that's more inclusive and respectful of all. And it wasn't until I was reflecting on my childhood, I actually spent four years, my family moved to the Philippines and we grew, had my early schooling in Manila in the Philippines. And that was a diverse culture that I was mixing with. And so I didn't sort of linked to what they call a red thread. I don't know if you've read Marcus Buckingham's Love and Work. It's my top favorite book at the moment. And he, he talks about for people to love their work, they need to know what their how they do their job, their uniqueness about how they do their job. And again, that's a role of leaders to help bring that out of people, that inside out way of learning rather than go off to a course and you'll just be filled up with knowledge. This is about notice, notice your uniqueness. So I was noticing I had a very diverse childhood with German boys living next door, Japanese on the other side, Swiss on across the road, because it was an expat community. But I got that taste so young and it was like, oh, I'm always trying to recreate that (laughs) going forward, that inclusive, respectful way of living. Yes. 
Yes, I really enjoy that as an expat here, being with different cultures. And yeah, it's, it, it really does shift perspective. And I think going back to the United States, people who didn't have English as their first language, you know, slowing down for them. Like, I know what it feels like to try to speak in my call it Deutschlich, my German, uh, I'll forget a word and say it in English. And, you know, just that patience that they, they have with me and also appreciation that I'm actually trying to speak the language. But, you know, I appreciate them slowing down for me. I appreciate them correcting me, actually. The Swiss women have no problem correcting my German. And that's okay because I, 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 it's done out of care, you know, wanting me to, to, learn the language and and I, I don't see it as a negative thing. So it's interesting yeah. that you bring that up. If you had one key takeaway for our audience, what would that be like an action item that we, we would give to our audience? I think it has to be under solution focus. So if people are talking to you about a problem that they have, listen to it just enough, but don't be curious about finding all the detail pretty much switch it to say, what is it you want instead? That will change the energy of the conversation from looking down and being stuck to oh, possibility. There is something I might be in. And then be curious around what they do say in terms of what is it you want instead? What might that look like? How would you know if you have arrived at that? So how um, would our audience, and especially our leaders, if they want to work with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. Uh, probably it can direct email. So Annette at Annette Gray with an A, G-R-A-Y dot com dot A-U. Or on LinkedIn, if they just search Annette Gray Consulting, I'll pop up. And then my website, which is www.annettegray.com.au. Dot .au. Got it. Very good. So I want to just say thank you so much for being on the show. And before we end here, I would love to hear what were some of your favorite 80s trends or shows or anything that is reminiscent for you in the 80s? It would have to be shoulder pads. Yeah. Because I have smallish shoulders and I've had transferable shoulder pads that would go under a t-shirt and I just love that look <laughs> and it's great and it's come back and it's great that it's come back but just creates such a beautiful silhouette too and yeah. I I love a shoulder pad and I remember <laughs> oh god I remember my personality is like you're kind of all in so if I'm all in on shoulder pads that means I'm going to put two in on each side to just create even more I mean, I probably look like a football player, but I remember thinking, oh, this one's kind of thin. I feel like I need a second one. And they were all Velcro. And so I, I, I would put two in on each side. <laughs> I agree. And that's like Dynasty. It reminds me of the show Dynasty with the jewels and the big shoulder pads and the beautiful silhouettes. Yes. And the permed hair, the curly. I had the permed hair. Yes. Yeah. My my hair was naturally curly. And so I would really go to town on the mousse to the point that you could break it. So much mousse. Blow drying it. Blow drying it upside down so it could be Get really bigger. big. Yes. Like the bigger, the better. Right. Yes. <laughs> Shoulder pads and hair. So good. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And all right, Annette, what would be your favorite jingle of the 1980s? Well, I'm not sure you'd say it's a jingle, 
but it's a saying that's become part of the Australian, what is it you call it, like language sort of thing. When, when this advertisement on the TV, the woman at the end of the conversation on the ad says, not happy, Jan, at the top of her lungs. And everyone uses that saying till this day. And they know exactly what you mean when she called out not happy, Jan. The context is it was Yellow Pages phone book and Yellow Pages was where all the business numbers went in. And this woman forgot to put it the ad in, the information in. So she's running down the street and her manager is hanging out the window going, not happy, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So even to this day. Even to this day, everyone knows what you mean when you say not happy, Jan. Not happy, Jan. That is amazing. I think I'm going to borrow that one. That's that's hilarious. I'm going to go check out on YouTube, see if I can find the commercials. Do that because it just nails it so much. So good. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Annette, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, it really has been a pleasure. And I look forward to more posts from you on uh, LinkedIn. And certainly, audience, please get a hold of Annette. And all of her information will be in the show notes. And, And thank you again. And let's all... I guess our the really the key takeaway is let's everybody takes a small step in their lives to make a more sustainable planet. And and what better way to kick off International Women's Month than to all of us women gathering and just making these small changes. So I really appreciate you bringing that in Annette. Thank you so much for your time Patricia. As you said, I could have had this conversation so much for hours. So Really appreciate the time today. Thank you. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.